Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Mr. President. The Senator from Arizona. Thank you. I rise at a challenging, divisive time for our nation. Senator Kirsten Sinema delivered the final blow. The Democrat from Arizona gave an impassioned speech from the Senate floor. These bills help treat the symptoms of the disease, but they do not fully address the disease itself. Said she will not be in favor of changing the filibuster rules in order to pass voting rights. And while I continue to support these bills, I will not support separate actions that worsen the underlying disease of division infecting our country. And there you go. It's like, hey, don't come over here. Don't waste our time because I'm already telling you no. Right. Like that is what Kirsten Sinema wanted to make very clear. There's a lot of talk about uh, disappointments and things we haven't gotten done. We're going to get a lot of them done, I might add. We are not giving up on this. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. I'm Eugene Daniels, political White House correspondent and Playbook co-author. Today, Eugene Daniels on whether the Biden administration has any moves left when it comes to passing voting rights legislation. So how dead is voting rights? Pretty dead, um, at least this week and at least with the plan they currently have. You have Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, who on Tuesday is going to start debate. The United States Senate will, for the first time this Congress, debate voting rights legislation beginning on Tuesday. All 50 Democrats are on board with the bills, right? Mm -hmm. But it takes 60, as everyone everyone knows at this point. And you have Kirsten Sinema and um, Joe Manchin, who are not on board with changes to the filibuster. And so all of, it almost doesn't matter. But they want to make sure both um, the leaders in the Senate, um, the White House, other top Democrats want to make sure that people understand that they are trying to fight for voting rights. And so, you know, it's possible that they bring this up for a vote um, and it fails. They try to do some kind of rules change and that also fails, which is not usually how it's done in Washington. You wait until you have <laughs> the right amount of votes before you bring it um, to the floor. Passing voting rights legislation in this Congress always seemed like a little bit of a long shot, but it was last week that everything really blew up. So can you just kind of take me through what happened last week? It started with all of us knowing and kind of anticipating President Joe Biden getting in his motorcade, heading down Pennsylvania Avenue and um, getting into the Senate Democrat lunch that they have. Um, and we knew that he was going to implore them once again to put to find a way to push and, and pass voting rights, including um, changing the filibuster. One of the things that the president has been leaning on is history. And so we knew he, there was going to be a lot of history talk um, in there, how history has its eyes on them, basically. It's the Hamilton approach to legislating. <laughs> I love that musical, but it's like too much. It's like, <laughs> stop, stop much. it. I mean, also, you don't have the votes. Like, there's so many songs in there that are kind of perfect for this moment. Um and so we, that's what we expected. And we at Playbook and a few other people got wind that Kirsten Cinema, who was already scheduled to speak on the floor on Thursday, was going to speak about the filibuster, was going to speak about how, to her, it's important to the institution of the Senate, and that basically she wasn't budging. And so she gets up and she does that. She does a floor speech, kind of 
reiterating a lot of the things that we've seen and heard from her. But it comes minutes, minutes away from when President Biden is going to walk into the Senate lunch. And he's he's in the car on his way when she's speaking. <laughs> and so, you know, I've talked to a lot of White House aides about this. And, you know, something they try to make clear is that they knew that it was coming. So they weren't surprised. But that doesn't make it not embarrassing. It's like, hey, don't come over here. Don't waste our time because I'm already telling you no, right? Like that is what Kirsten Cinema wanted to make very clear. Hmm. And then the president gets there. He has this meeting with Senate Democrats. He talks about the history of the filibuster. He also was asked a question by Joe Manchin about how Senator Byrd, who is a West was a West Virginia senator and someone Joe Manchin looks up to, how he never pushed for a filibuster change. And President Biden told him essentially based on conversations political has had with a bunch of folks in the room, well, that was then, this is now, essentially. there's A, a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. And then after the meeting, you have Joe Manchin also release a statement saying that, yo, the filibuster is here to stay as far as I'm concerned. There are other parts of this conversation where do you bring back a talking filibuster? Do the numbers change on voting? So there are other rules changes that it seems like Joe Manchin himself is interested in or could play with, but a carve-out for voting rights going nuclear on the filibuster. Both him and Kirsten Cinema are um, on the same page. It feels like the Biden administration keeps trying to push all these different buttons that they're hoping is a way to unlock the Senate for their agenda. Do they have any buttons left? <laughs> I don't think so. I think all presidents have the same buttons. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Like the when you have a 50-50 Senate, you have like less buttons. And that has been not easy for this administration. Build Back Better is basically on the back burner, maybe in the toilet. It's hard to know what's going on Mm -hmm. um, with that push. And on voting rights, advocates I've talked to over the last year have been frustrated that the administration, in their view, hasn't paid as much attention to voting rights as they want them to. And I want to be clear when I say the administration, they're talking specifically President Biden. Because this was one of Kamala Harris's big issues, Exactly. Right? It's something that um, she asked for the president to do. She wanted it on her plate, something that was this difficult. It's something that she's worked on in the past as well. And her aides tell us is that it was about hoping and that some pressure and some pushing and some coalition building was going to do something here. And so what the vice president has done, you know, since May when they announced that she would be taking this on is a lot of coalition building, making sure that she's talking to the right people, helping to build an outside pressure campaign, right? Because Mm -hmm. she knows, we know, there's not a lot that the White House can actually do here, right? There's not a lot that President Biden can do on voting rights on the filibuster. And so the pressure campaign has been building, but people have wanted to see President Biden get out, talk about the filibuster, say that he's open to getting rid of the filibuster because he's a leader of the party, he's a leader of the administration, he's a leader of the country, and they know, voting advocates, they know that no senator who wasn't already open to it, was going to change their mind if Joe Biden didn't say something, right? They knew they wanted him on board. And he kind of basically took his time for a long time being full-throated in it. And advocates say, had he done it earlier, um, maybe we'd be in a different place. 
it's hard to know that, right? You can't prove a counterfactual. Um, mm-hmm. But that is what they're leaning on. And so they're happy that he's at the party. They're irritated that he was late. Um, he didn't bring the right food <laughs> to the party in their minds, right? <laughs> he brought the wrong people um, <laughs> that weren't invited. <laughs> but he's there. And I think it looks more dire to all of us who really pay attention to the sausage making. But, you know, I talked to... Martin Luther King's son and his wife this weekend. I've talked to Al Sharpton, Melanie Campbell, all of these other civil rights leaders over the like the last few weeks and <laughs> the last year. But what's really interesting and what you never hear from them is that they don't feel deterred. Which like for us who were as recovering this, it's like, well, it's dead. Why don't you guys just like move on? And something that King told me and reminded me, I guess, was that many times when his father was pushing for voting rights, was pushing just for civil rights in general, was pushing for the Fair Housing Act, it always looked bad. And they'd pass one bill, and there was always this story that the family told of him saying to the president after LBJ had signed one bill, he was like, we're going to the next one. <laughs> and LBJ was like, oh, no, I did all my political capital stuff. Like, I'm, I don't have anything else in the bank. And then the outside pressure worked. So they feel confident still behind closed doors, on background, that this this is going to happen. What it looks like is really hard for us to imagine. Well, and that's what's interesting, too, about you know how long it took Biden to kind of come out with a full-throated offense on this issue, yeah. is that he's ultimately such a creature of the Senate. Mm-hmm. And in order for this legislation to pass, because there isn't enough Republican support, was going to require a procedural rules change that, as a creature of the Senate, becomes a real sticking point, right? Yeah. Of like, yeah. well, that's going to change the the nature of the way these things get done. And then it gets really, I don't know, like esoteric. Yeah. <laughs> it gets nerdy after that. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. One of the things about Joe Biden, is he has a real respect for the Senate. And I think what's been obvious, because th- before he was president during the campaign, he was not really open to a rules change, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've seen this kind of some people would call it slow. I think it's actually rather fast <laughs> in, in how, you know, politicians usually change their minds. This big transition for, for, to where he is now. And that's a big deal, right? He's, he talked about this and his aides have, you know, as they were trying to figure out what he was going to say last Tuesday in Georgia about the filibuster and about voting rights. And when they were talking about what he was going to say in the ABC interview a few weeks back where he said he was open to it and what he really wanted to focus on and what his aides really wanted to focus on was him being an institutionalist. And he's saying, if I, an institutionalist, I, a creature of the Senate, can come to this conclusion, what are y'all doing? That is basically <laughs> the the message that the president mm-hmm. um, laid out last week um, and will con- and has continued to lay out and will continue to lay out. Will it work? It's hard to see. You know, Chuck Schumer and his team have been digging into all of the <laughs> mechanics that they can to figure out how they could get this passed needing 60 votes. And it not, there's not really a place where that's, where that's possible. So TLDR, <laughs> this is a big loss. And they're going to go back and figure out the next move? Essentially. TLDR, it's a mess. Advocates are going to keep pushing them. And they have to do something. And they know that. Um, because not only are these policymakers, these are politicians who know that they need to get elected again. Um, and their counterparts need to get elected again for them to get anything done post-2022. And what advocates have said over and over, 
what do you have to give me specifically for black people? Right. Specifically for the base of the Democratic Party, specifically for the people who you say, Joe Biden, put you in office. What do I have to go show them that you've done for them? Right. Infrastructure. That's great for everybody. But we know that, you know, this, the history of this country when it comes to voting rights is that the first people to usually not be able to vote or lose or it's tougher for them to vote are black and brown people. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked to a lot, did a story last week on Vice President Harris and uh, and the voting rights push. And her aides say that she's still going to be doing stuff. She's still pushing. And so she's still doing her work. How much attention does the president continue to provide it is the question that advocates have. Eugene Daniels, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much. Also today... South Korea's military said that North Korea fired two suspected ballistic missiles into the sea on Monday, which is its fourth weapons launch this month, with the apparent goal of demonstrating its military might during pause diplomacy with the United States and pandemic border closures. And President Biden will hold a formal news conference tomorrow at 4 p.m., which is one day before the one-year anniversary of his inauguration, and Biden's first press conference since November in Scotland at COP26. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. 